the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill, and unbelievably, another Star Wars film is out. We have now gotten two Star Wars films within six months, and according to the internet, everything is just fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're all Solo fine here. A Star Wars Story. It's here. Oh, Solo man. A Star Wars Story. After a long, tumultuous ramp up to its release, we finally have it. The movie that I think you and I were least anticipating among the yeah. Star Wars films. Um, it's here. It's finally here. So we have another Star Wars movie to talk about. It's weird. It's kind of surprising. Like, I didn't expect to have another Star Wars movie to talk about so soon, even though I knew it was coming. It's like you knew it was coming, but at the same time, you didn't realize it was coming up so soon. And it was like, well, we just saw The Last Jedi. Wait, wait that comes out... In, like, five months. What the heck? And, like, we didn't have any trailers. It was like they weren't even talking about it. So it didn't have this big ramp up until just before the movie came out. And earlier in this episode, uh, the whole one minute that we've had, I was trying to say a Han Solo quote, and you totally cut me off. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you going to say it? Oh, no, no, because now it just doesn't even matter because the context of it is totally gone. All right, we're off to a great start. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think with this movie, um, you and I had talked about it before. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk about Star Wars. We love talking about Star Wars. What I do not love is some of the vitriol that is in the Star Wars fan community right now. Honestly, yeah. it bugs the shit out of me, and I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. There's so much hatred that has come from, and I'm going to say this, uh, very small corners of this community. Very small. They just make a lot of noise, and they act like assholes. And the cool thing now is to hate everything. Um, I, I just, I'm so sick of the temperature of the, 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 the temperature gauge in the Star Wars fan community. Right. It it comes off incredibly entitled, incredibly uh, just whining like a child. I mean, there's a difference between seeing a movie and finding fault in it. I don't know of very many movies that any one of us would find perfect and without any kind of fault. Right. There are like um, 10 perfect movies. Yeah, but even then, the people that even made it, they can see in other ways that it could be better or things that they would change or like there's nothing is perfect. You know, it, it's just it's not. And even with watching Solo, I didn't think it was perfect. There's a lot in it that I would change, but there's a difference in being able to look at it and being able to realize what you didn't necessarily like about it and then move on instead of whining and crying about it and making it seem as if you're like chicken little and the sky is falling and the world is ending and my childhood is ruined. My whole life is ruined. You've ruined everything because yeah. of this okay. movie. That's what I can't stand. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to, to, to that point, like, if something that comes out in your 30s ruins your childhood retroactively, uh, that's <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And you need to find yeah. better things to do. Uh, nothing can ruin something that already happened. That's not possible. Now, <laughs> the other part of this too, and I think that, that here's what I, here's my take on this. I mean, we didn't ask to give our take on the, the state of the union of the Star Wars universe, but whatever. I'm going to give my opinion here because we have microphones and we can do it. <laughs> Star Wars is part Go of our popular it. mythology. It is. It's part of our, it is part of our popular mythology. It is mainstream myth that is in the modern time. So it's been in the bloodstream for like 40 years now, and it's become the accepted modern mythology. We like it. It's you know, the stories of heroes. It's timeless, right? Um, and with that mythology comes some aspects of religion where you have people that are fundamentalists. And fundamentalists tend to really dislike change. They really tend to dislike diversity. They really tend to dislike things that are a threat to their core institution of Star Wars, right? So to them, like, Luke Skywalker is your hero. He has been your hero your whole life. He is utterly perfect. And he's been your hero 40 years later. A new movie comes along. Wait a second. Who's this girl? Who's this girl? She's not my hero. Luke is my hero. Wait, what? Luke is a broken man and only being redeemed by this girl? Well, maybe this girl is cool if she's related to the hero. Oh, wait, no, she's not. She's just some nobody. Well, that's awful. This whole thing is awful. Everything is corrupt and stupid. And that, I feel, is the mentality that's kind of seeped into Star Wars right now. Yeah. And it's fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, have I mentioned how much I love when you go off on a tirade? I'm, I'm oh, loving it, this right now. It's been, it's been building. It's been building. Listen, yeah. if you think Kathleen Kennedy is ruining your life, you need to find something better to do. <laughs> like, a person can yeah. dislike a movie. You can dislike The Last Jedi, and that's fine. But if you say, it's stupid because it's not the movie I wanted, shut up. Just shut up. Maybe yeah. these movies aren't for you anymore then. Hop off. Hop off. You can hop off at any time. <laughs> your original trilogy will still be preciously intact preserved on your shelf where you can just pop it in whenever you want. Could you imagine what the tone would be like if The Phantom Menace came out right now? No. No. I can't. I I I can't. But that's the thing. It it's just it's just been it's it's exhausting to hear some of the entitled privileged takes on Star Wars. And there are a lot of attacks on Kathleen Kennedy. You can criticize certain things. You can criticize certain decisions. You can criticize casting. Everybody's open to criticism. You absolutely can do that. But there is a lot of sexist vitriol that comes at Kathleen Kennedy on the regular. Yep. And it's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So that's kind of my thought on it. I love The Last Jedi. I think it's the second best film in the Star Wars canon. Come at me. I don't care. I love that movie. <laughs> now, maybe somebody says, you know what? Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. You know what? Episode One is my favorite Star Wars movie. I don't care. People can like whatever they like. But when you go into this just venomous, 
spewing disgraceful behavior that we've seen on the internet, physical threats made against people that are writers or people that are directors, you know, people that are part of the cast. Like, just calm the fuck down, people. Yeah, it's so easy to be able to type words. You know, it's like, I, I can't, I, I can't stand this mob mentality that grows where other people just jump on this bandwagon, you know, because I, I, I don't know. It's like they've formed this little Star Wars hating gang or something, and they all just like fester and cluster together. And it's just, it's poisonous. And, um, I, I, I shut it off. I shut it out. Yeah. I don't pay attention to it. That doesn't mean that I think every Star Wars movie is perfect and wonderful. That is far from the truth. But right. just We're because... about to talk about one that I think has a shit ton of holes in it. <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait because you and I have not talked about this movie at all. And it's been killing me because I really want to hear what you have to say. Um... I would say there are more Star Wars movies that I do not care for than there are that I do. But that does not mean that I am against everything Star Wars because of that. And I didn't realize until just now in trying to weigh the Star Wars movies that I like versus the ones that I don't like. And I just realized, like, wow, I don't like more of them than the ones that I do. That was... a stark realization for me just now <laughs> existential crisis i know what it what is my life you know like what you like don't like what you don't like and that's fine but the the venom coming out of some people is just disgraceful and embarrassing and stupid yeah anyway let's talk about solo so i saw solo I did something I'd never done before. I saw it in 4DX. We have a 4DX theater in Washington, D.C. in Chinatown now. Uh, and 4DX is kind of interesting. Where, like, as the, you know, there was the speeder chase on Corellia. Like, yeah. the seats move left and right. And anytime there's, like, smoke, there's, like, steam or, like, a like a fog vent that shoots fog out at you. Uh, anytime really? there's water, you get spritzed a little bit. Uh, yeah, and so, oh. like, the seats, like, move all around. All kinds of crazy stuff. There are strobe effects. It's like, it's like a ride. It's like you are riding the movie. Two things. One, I would be really afraid that that would make me puke. Two, I would be afraid that it would annoy me. That it would take me out of it, whether I'm doing... Now, is every seat in the theater doing that? Or only yes. some of them? Yes, every seat does it. Okay. The only thing you like, can shut off is the water. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I would not be about that at all. At all. But what did you think of it, though? It was an interesting experience. A little tiresome after a while, but it, it does add a little something here and there. It does. Like, it's it, it was fun. Gimmicky, but fun. Because there's one thing in going into, uh, like, a theme park attraction like a simulator ride and you know that's only like for like five minutes at best but to go into a full movie to get this for like two hours on average i would think yeah that would be a bit much 
it definitely kind of wears you down after all. So, like, any time that Han would get, like, hit in the back, you feel a thing in the back of the seat poking you in the back. Like, poking you <gasps> in the shoulder. No. Oh, yeah, no. I'm, no. I'm not about that at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it was definitely an interesting experience. Uh, so, that's how, that's how I saw it. Um, I don't know. I don't think it, it, it's necessarily going to change my opinion of the film. Um, but I, here's, here's what I want to say, just right off the bat. In the world of hot takes, where everybody has to have the "we need to talk about solo" kind of thing, um, I I left this movie thinking it's fine, it's fine. Like I didn't love it. I absolutely didn't hate it at all. I had low yeah. expectations for it, and it met those low expectations. There are some things it does really, really well, and there are other things that it does not so well. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you and I are. For the most part, we're kind of on the same uh, level. I would say my initial take right out of the movie theater, I had more of a positive feeling about it leaving the theater than I did The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, hmm, for me, okay. it was... it was For me, The Last Jedi kind of grew on me. Like, after you and I talked about it, after I saw it, a few more times it kind of grew on me but i will say this there are things in the last jedi that i cannot stand there are things in the last jedi that i absolutely love and they almost kind of um cancel each other out and it leaves me feeling kind of indifferent to the movie which i i cannot come to grips with but with solo uh there's some stuff in this movie that I really would have chosen to do something else that I things that I just really didn't care for. Not as much as I, the things that I didn't care for in The Last Jedi. There are things in Solo that I enjoyed that I thought were fun. Maybe not as fun as I thought of some things in The Last Jedi, if we're continuing just to compare those two movies, um, which everybody seems to be right now. Um so, yeah, when I left the theater, I had a bit more of a positive feeling about Solo than I did with The Last Jedi. Um, I think this is a good movie. I think it's a good Star Wars movie. I think it's a great summer movie. It's not one that's going to change your life. It's not one that's going to change your opinion about Star Wars, I don't think. But I would say that if you are one of those people that did not like The Last Jedi and are wanting to boycott Solo, which I think is so stupid, um, because of The Last Jedi, don't. Okay, can, I, can, I, can I address the boycott Solo people? <laughs> Please, have <Okay>. the floor. <laughs> I, I need, to, I need to, to help some of these boycott Solo people here. Now listen, if you want to be one of these... One of these freedom riders for the solo boycott. Uh, let me just tell you something. You don't boycott the movie by going to see it on opening day and then talking about how much you hate it. That's not what a boycott is. They still got your money. Kathleen Kennedy thanks you. Uh, boycotting solo means you don't go see it. Sorry, just wanted to put that out there for people that were trying to take pictures of empty theaters and say, ah, haha, my boycott is working while you paid to get in. <laughs> well, no, I think that's I th I think a lot of people have not gone to see this movie because it has not done the same box office as or anywhere close as to like the Last Jedi, 
and that's you know that's what some people are saying that they've boycotted it they haven't going and the ticket sales show that but it's still the number one movie in the world or in the united states at least right now um and for any other movie that would have come out it would be amazing you can't keep comparing things to one of the top movies that have come out um you're not going to meet that um, but that does not mean it's a failure by any means. But, but I also think just the concept are, of Solo was challenging. It was. I mean, and for you and I, who are huge Star Wars fans, I didn't think this movie was needed. I. It's not that I was adamantly against it. I just didn't see the point of it. I did not think I needed to see this. Did I... Did that mean that I was going into it thinking I'm automatically going to dislike it? No. But that really set my expectations really, really low. Do I still think that this movie's not needed? Uh, I mean, it was fun. I don't think it changed anything. I mean, it's just extra fluff to add to the pile. I I don't think it gives me any kind of a better appreciation for the character of Han Solo whatsoever. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I enjoyed it though. So I will, I will leave it right now for that before we like really dive into it. Yeah. Well, we're going to start diving into it. Um, I, it. I think that for me, my expectation was give me just a decent Han and Chewie story and I'm good. Like, I don't, I didn't need anything else. Like, I didn't need this movie. Like, well, I don't like using that needed kind of word, but like, this isn't a movie that I was super interested in just because I'd never had the desire to see Han's backstory. Plus, you're asking the audience to buy into this young actor as this iconic character. And that is just a hard ask to begin with. That is a difficult thing. So for me, I was like, this, this just has. You know, all of the, all of the hallmarks of potentially being catastrophic because not, not even because they switched out directors. That stuff is, is its own issue, but just the very premise of recasting one of film's most iconic characters, one of the most, you know, charming and dashing scoundrels that's ever been put to film. And now you're asking another actor to step in there and play a younger version of it. That is a big ask. So for me, I always felt that was the hurdle that needed to be overcome, aside from the other stuff. But I was hoping, you know, my expectations were low because I just wanted a decent Han and Chewie story. And I got that. Like, if you're a Chewbacca fan, you'll dig this movie. Like, if you want to see Chewbacca shine, he shines here. Yeah, I would say... Even though the movie's called Solo, I would say it's the Lando slash Chewbacca movie. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Um, I think one of the strengths of this movie are the performances. And everybody was talking about Lando, Lando, Lando. And I think Lando is great. I think he's very good. I think Donald Glover is really good. But he is not the runaway success of this movie, I don't think. I actually think Alden Ehrenreich is just as good as Han. And, to me, Paul Bettany... As Voss, I thought he was outstanding in that short little time he has. He's very, very good. Yeah, I thought um, Han and Lando played off of each other really well. I thought they had great chemistry and they needed to have that. And I thought that they achieved that. I was actually surprised that Lando wasn't in the movie more. Like there were times that it just it felt weird. Like he's just sitting in the Millennium Falcon somewhere. Like, it's just, 
and then he just like leaves and then comes I just thought it was very strange. Like I I thought he was kind of underutilized in it. But yeah, I I do think he was a standout person just because anytime he was on screen, he just chewed it up. And he was such a strong personality in it. But yes, I really think to me, one of the standout of this movie is Chewbacca. I loved seeing Chewbacca throughout this movie, more yeah. so even than I did Han Solo. I think it's great to see him and Han have their relationship kind of take shape. I think that was yeah. really good. I think that's the thing that I wanted to that I wanted to really see out of this movie, and I got it. I thought Amelia Clark is really good. I think Ron Howard is such a great director that that he can get a lot of good stuff out of these actors. And Amelia Clark has been up and down, but when she plays a character like that that has a little bit of attitude, uh, I think she's very good. I think she's good here. I do too. I enjoyed her in this role. I enjoyed watching her uh, fight scenes. I thought they were incredible. I wish there was more of it. Yeah. The giveaway of the reveal that came later in the movie was that she actually mentions the the fighting style that she practiced, which was the same fighting style as Darth Maul. Right. And I totally did not pick up on that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that there's a lot of great stuff in here. And one of the cool things about it is one of the reasons why I think Solo might be one of those movies that, that fans enjoy more the more they see it is how deep into star wars lore they dug for this there are references to so many different pieces of star wars history like even the old extended universe stuff is brought in here as well lots of that stuff gets mentioned in this movie yes i love that there's a mention of aura singh there's a mention of bosk which are two of my favorite bounty hunters so cool um there's mention of things that are things to come uh that are currently under construction right now that were mentioned in this movie um there were subtle references to jabba the hut without saying him by name I thought this was really, really cool. And uh, you were talking about Paul Bettany, his character, um, Voss. There were all different kinds of little nuggets in his in his yeah. um, room just that were um, part of the set pieces and props that were around there that are from uh, the different um, Star Wars. Um, I think some of it, I don't know if some of it's from the books, but some of it's from like Star Wars Rebels. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a holocron really... there. There's a Mandalorian yeah, armor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The fertility idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark is in there. Which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Great touch. Yeah, there's a lot of that little stuff in there. And they just dug so deep. I mean, there are tons of references to the old extended universe Lando Calrissian books uh, that are there. So there's a lot of that stuff. One of my favorite pieces is L3. Yes. I really enjoy L3, and I like the way they upload L3 into the Falcon, and it it gives the Falcon its personality. It does, and it ties into a nice scene in the original trilogy where C-3PO is trying to talk to the Falcon, and he says, he's like, what this is I don't don't recognize this dialect like what is this it just it makes it so cool cuz you go back when you're able to go back and watch the trilogies and the original trilogies and it gives you 
a, a different perspective on an old line that was just kind of a throwaway before, and now they've added a different meaning to it, I think is really cool. Or a deeper meaning, rather. Not a different one, right. but a deeper meaning to it. I think that's really brilliant, and I absolutely love that, and I think it's very witty, and I do not have a problem with that whatsoever. Like, or just, like, little things like why they always call the ship a she, you know? Right. And I love the little callbacks. Like, for example, when Han and uh, Lando first meet, he calls him Han, which is how he says Han in the original trilogy as well. He does it there. And I thought it was just a nice way to tie in that reason with him. It almost makes it like sentimental that he calls him, he pronounces his name wrong. I love that. Right. But it's the reason why that I think is really cool. That is actually one of my favorite little details of this movie. Because when Han goes in to play Sabacc, he says, is this Sabacc? And Lando says Sabacc. Right. And then he starts calling him Han. He is intentionally mis- So, like, like Han is mispronouncing the name of the game. To try to look like yeah. a rube. He's like trying to hustle Lando. Lando recognizes it and is calling him Han as a, like kind of like a return, returning the, the insult, I guess. Yeah. It's like, I see you. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. That is I a fun it. little detail in there. It's a fun detail. And then it makes it, it makes it, like I said, like sentimental when he mispronounces it in the original trilogy accidentally yeah purposefully <laughs> yeah i also love how uh early in the movie in the one of the first scenes where we see lady proxima who looks like a giant shrimp but is a very well-designed character i think it's kind of neat looking uh han tries to pull the thermal detonator thing that leia tried to pull in return of the jedi yeah yeah <laughs> and they're like no it's a rock yeah no you just I made a clicking sound I, I like that little detail a lot I did too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things I thought were really cool when Han goes to the, you know, when he's trying to, when him and, um, Kira are trying to escape, when they end up at the Imperial, uh, you know, center, you get that little advertisement to join the Empire. Yeah. And it has the Imperial March playing. I think that's yeah. the first time we've ever heard the Imperial March as like a piece of diagenic music. Yeah, that was very meta of Star Wars to do that. It was funny because like, well, it, it's it's used so rarely in Star Wars. Like the cantina music is a diagenic. Um, diagenic sound is is music that the characters can hear also. So it was great to see the Imperial March used there. It's kind of just a fun little thing I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. So that fight, or not fight, but that chase scene... Um, that leads up to that point, this car chase heist thing that's happening. It felt, I, I loved that scene. And it, to me, as I was watching it, I was like, this feels very Indiana Jones-ish to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt very Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, like the Jeep scene to me, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of like American graffiti vibes, too, I thought. Oh yeah, definitely that too. So it was there was definitely a it was definitely a homage to George Lucas and Harrison Ford. I yeah. think. Yeah, it was almost like the way like Baby Driver kind of had that throwback '60s kind of thing. 
uh, yeah. this, this movie has that same kind of thing going on there. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I, I also like the way, like, Han does the watch this, and he ends up basically stalling the car. Just like in, in The Empire Strikes Back, where he says, watch this, and he tries to jump to light speed, and nothing happens. Yeah, and Leia's like, watch what? Yeah. I love it. Really, really great little detail there. Uh, I also did, like, later in the movie, where her Lando says, I hate you, and Han says, I know. I thought that was awesome, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Should have saw that coming. I know. A lot of really great um, dialogue, just callback moments, and, and, like, classic Han moments that they, like, recycled, but yet it's not recycled, because this is where it's supposed to first happened, and they're, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Anyway, um... And they didn't feel. I, I always say this when we when we talk about Star Wars. It didn't feel forced at all. <laughs> right. Right. It, this for these these little moments felt natural. Like there was purpose. Like they didn't they didn't throw it in there and be like wink wink nudge nudge. Did you see what we just did? Did you get that? Did you get that reference right there? Like it felt very natural. I think one of the biggest surprises about this movie to me is that this was never intended to be a one-off. I didn't realize that going in. Yeah, they're like, wanting to do a whole trilogy. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was, like, this is not a self-contained movie at all. This movie does not have big resolution. As a matter of fact, it, it towards the end, it brings up more questions than it answers. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of one of the bigger surprises. And I think one of the things that's also really interesting, not to get into to weird speculation area, but I thought it was interesting the way Han's story is very similar to Ray's story in a way. That kind of coming up from nothing, you know, and, and you know, having people that in your life that are similar to you that maybe go a different direction. I think there's some similarities there between their stories. And maybe... Maybe that's why he connected so well with her. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's recognizing kind of a younger version of himself. Yeah, a little bit. It has led it has led to people saying that, you know, Kira might be Ray's mother, um, in spite of the fact that, that they said that her mother was a nobody. Uh I mean, you could still find a way to define that into where that could be the case. Um I don't know that that's necessarily true or possible but it's an interesting theory it's fun to think about like these things are uh i tend to lean that it's probably not the case but it's possible yeah but if you think about it too from kylo ren's perspective if he hasn't heard of you if you're not within his circle then you're a nobody to him so he maybe wouldn't yeah. have any kind of connection or knowledge of kira if that's the case so to him she would be a nobody Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I I think it's possible, and I don't think I would hate it, question mark. I'm not sure. It depends on how it comes about. I don't know. But I, I at this point, I don't think I would have a problem with that, and I think it's a really interesting theory. But also, 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 I think now at this point, everybody's trying to grasp at straws. Ooh, another female character. That's Ray's mother. <laughs> But Ooh, this one has a British person. accent. That's, that's right. Oh, she's got dark hair, too. That's Ray's mother. 
So it's like, I think they're just grasping at any straw to try to close that open-ended question. Yeah. I think people desperately desire for people to be connected to each other in these movies. Uh, And I don't know that it's it's necessary. It's a fun idea to kind of think about, but... You know, I don't know. I like the idea of Ray being a nobody. It's one of my favorite aspects of her character. Now, again, like I said, I enjoy this movie. I liked it. I had a good time. It's cool to see the Falcon doing its thing, you know, in its peak condition. It's great to see the relationship between Han and Chewie. Good seeing the Kessel Run, all that good stuff. Um, this movie has some major problems, though. Yeah, let's get into that, because I'm really curious as to what the nitty-gritty is Okay, with Big, you in this movie. Biggest one that jumped out to me right away. Uh, Dryden Voss will only okay this mission that Beckett and Han want to do, because they want to steal the coaxium off of Kessel. But Kessel is run by the Pikes. So... Han convinces Dryden Voss that, you know, well, they don't know that we're working for you, so we can totally sneak in. It's cool. Like, it'll never get traced back to you. So that's the whole reason why he okays them to go do this thing. However, he then decides to send his number one woman with them, which would effectively give away that advantage. It makes no sense. Especially when she's wearing a bright red cloak. Well, and yeah, she's also got the mark on her wrist. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like what? Like I, it, that does not make any sense to me. That's one of the big plot problems that I had. Uh, also, Enfys Nest, who could be a cool character, and you feel like there's a version of the script where she was like Tandy Newton and Woody Harrelson's kid. Like I feel like there's right. a version of that that exists somewhere in this world, and maybe they had to cut it. That character yeah. is. Seems interesting, seems really cool. There is nothing for her to do. Right. Like, we're used to these characters with these kind of rich backstories, and we don't really get a whole lot of that. I kind of wanted more. I just wanted more of that character. Show me why this character is so impressive. Yeah, I thought she was really interesting. But, you know what, though? You said we're used to these characters with these rich backstories. Uh, didn't you just see The Last Jedi and this this dude named Snoke that was in there? <laughs> there's this history of throwing yeah. people in there that we don't know their backstory you have to go and buy the book or the well, comic Fett, or too. something to find out well yeah and you, we find out their backstory and whatever on the periphery you know later on in a comic or you know whatever um, I have a feeling this is not going to be the last we see of her I think this was just our first taste uh I have to say I am hungry for more because I thought she seemed really interesting and I absolutely love the design of her costume so much. I thought it was one of the most interesting pieces in the movie. Um, So I definitely want to see more of her and I'm curious as to how she does or does she fit in or somehow tie into the greater Star Wars story. I don't know yet. Right. We'll see. Uh, another issue that I had is the horrible waste of Tandy Newton's character. Yeah. Who... Yeah. She dies on a mission that is completely inconsequential and then is never mentioned hardly ever again and seems to have no impact on the characters moving forward. 
Oh, yeah. It was as if Woody Harrelson's character was just like, all right, kid, let's move on. And it was like, wow, that he um he dealt with that a little too well. That was very strange because they seemed pretty close. Yeah, after like it meant all nothing. that, it was just yeah. kind of, yeah, like, I don't know. It would have been more interesting if she would have stuck around in the movie and then, like, later on in the film, she's part of that reveal that Beckett is working, is, like, Beckett's double cross, which is, like, completely useless in the plot of the movie. Uh, yes. Beckett's double cross, it would have been more impactful if she was there for it, because none of the other characters have any reason to trust him anyway. Right. So I think that there's a few different things there where it just gets a little bit clunky. No, it does. And I I, I don't want to say that I was lost. I wasn't lost, but I was just more confused um, with this, with his double crossing stuff. And then with the talk about the pikes and this plan and what they were doing, it just, to me, it felt very muddy. They were going for the Godfather. They were going for the space Godfather is what they were going for. And I don't think they really pulled it off. No, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they did either. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's even some things that I had issue with that you haven't mentioned yet that I just thought were awkward that maybe looked good on the page or something that like it sounded funny. But then when you actually have it on film, it's not necessarily a good idea. Uh, like Han speaking Wookiee, I thought was weird. I actually liked it. I thought it was I funny. I not... got a good chuckle out of it. Well, I chuckled too, but not for the right reason. It was like, this is weird. Um, uncomfortable. But, I mean, because like, I, I understand it. I understand the reasoning behind it. You know, how was he quickly going to relate or let this thing, uh, this beast know that he's on his side? Hey, no, I relate to you. I, 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 I can speak Wookiee. And I think reading it, on paper sounds great. Oh, Han says this to Chewbacca in Wookiee. Um, that sounds great or it reads great. But then when you hear this actor gargling, it sounds weird. And, you know, I get that the language is weird, but I don't know. It was just very strange. And then right after that, the, um, Han and Chewbacca shower scene, I thought was a little weird. <laughs> a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little strange. Very, very strange. You just see their feet. <laughs> it was just, it was weird. I didn't like that. Um, I'm, I'm thinking something tells me that that little shower scene thing is one of the carryovers from the original directors. Mm. I really think so. That, cause that seems like their sense of humor. And they just decided to keep that in for whatever reason. I don't know. But, um, yeah, those two things I thought were weird. And you mentioned some music. How do you feel about the music overall? Because John Williams did, like, a little snippet of it. But then there was another composer that did, like, the greater score. John Williams did the Han Solo theme. And John right. Powell did the rest of the soundtrack. And I actually think that the soundtrack for this movie is really, really excellent. It's, I think John Powell did an amazing job. I had a chance to kind of listen through it. And, uh, you know, 
he he really knows how to build upon some of the John Williams existing themes. I think if I had to criticize the soundtrack for anything, it's like, why are we using the Luke Skywalker, like that main Star Wars theme, the, the, the theme that was kind of known as the Luke Skywalker theme? Why are we using it in this movie? But right. I think like, you know, maybe that's kind of just the only criticism I would have of that music. I have a differing opinion of yours. <laughs> Um, there were times in this that I really did not like the score whatsoever. Um, and it actually almost kind of removed me from the movie. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Um, now I have not, I will say this, I've only listened to the music in the context of the movie itself. I have not listened to it, um, like actually listening to the score isolated. Um, there were times during the movie that the music removed me from it because to me it sounded like the uh bgm the background music at epcot center (laughs) like it sounded like disney theme park music at epcot center to me and i hated it because that's not what star wars music sounds like and then there was also a section of music i think it was during the credits actually because i think i think we were getting up out of our seats so it was at the credits and i was like why does this sound like lion king and i just really didn't like it i mean i like it in the lion king but i don't like it in a star wars movie so yeah there were some there were some things that almost just completely removed me from it because it just didn't fit at all um, I liked a lot of the callbacks. I love the fact that when they were doing like the Kessel Run, that it was a callback to the music from the asteroid scene in Empire yeah. Strikes Back. I loved that. I loved little callbacks to the classic bits of music like that. But like I said, there were other bits that were original that just it removed me because it did not fit in with the same um, overall Star Wars um style of music that's interesting because i actually really love the music here and i think that uh john williams theme for han solo is really really great too so i'm huh, surprised yeah. surprised i really dug yeah, it i, I thought know. he did a great job because uh, you can see where he kind of learned from williams in certain spots yeah well and i i i think john williams did great with the theme i liked that but it was it and, and and it's not to say that I don't like the background music at Epcot Center or I don't like Lion King. I think they're John both Tesh great. John will be pissed at you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Um, and Elton John. Um, and Lebo M. Um, is that Lebo M? Is that his name? No, that's a song from Rent. No, something M. That's that guy's name. I don't remember. I don't he know. was one of the. He's a uh, one of the singers um, with uh, Elton John for Lion King. Anyway, um. I I like those bits of music, but to me, they were so far removed from the style of music that we're so accustomed to with Star Wars that it just, it didn't fit together for me at all. And that was one of the things that I thought Michael Giacchino did so well uh, in Rogue One uh, with his um, soundtrack that he did. Like, he was able to carry on uh the foundation that john williams had already established with this style um for star wars and was able to build upon that and to me this went in a different direction and i know it was a a a bit risky to do so but 
it just it didn't fit for me and i just really didn't care for it interesting now you yeah. mentioned the kessel run um i i really enjoyed the kessel run scene i thought that was really really well done and it was visually one of the the great standouts of this movie to me is visually it is fucking gorgeous this is a beautiful movie the the mall and just all that stuff the 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 maelstrom as they're going through uh to kessel the visuals in this movie are outstanding it's one of the best looking star wars movies yeah i would agree there's totally love the a visuals. lot of the yeah i think there's a lot of really great stuff in this and i thought the um the color palette of this movie i thought was really interesting because it was almost monotone or monochromatic rather um it's lots of golds lots of it was very dark in places in fact that's been a huge complaint yeah uh, that the movie has been too dark depending on the settings of the theater that sometimes there were things that were just completely lost um i didn't have that problem where yeah. i saw it but um but yeah just it's very dark very monochromatic and which to me gives um a greater punch when you see like kira step off of the millennium falcon and she's got that bright red cape on it just makes that red yeah. seem even brighter and just more yeah. incredible same thing with lando and, which too. is and his pops of yellow. Yeah, exactly. So I, I liked those choices. Yeah, I agree. I, I I love the visuals of this movie. Another thing that was kind of weird to me is when L3 gets kind of all shot up, Lando's reaction is a little too much. Like, it's weird seeing, like, Chewie carrying Lando, carrying the head of L3. I thought that was a little <laughs> bit silly. I think that, that did yeah. not come off. That came off as humorous when it should have come off as... Uh, sad. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you're right. Uh, another thing I want to talk about. Can we talk about this Darth Maul thing? Of course. Because to me, the Darth Maul reveal is like, oh, huh? Oh. <laughs> because... <laughs> Is that exactly, is, that was exactly your reaction at the theater when you saw it? <laughs> it was a little bit of that, because it was like, okay, cool, they've decided to bring bring Maul back. Because the, then the first thing you, that you think about is like, wait, wait, when the hell is this movie taking place? Wait, what? Empire? Wait, what? Okay, so it's after, but before, and then it's in the middle, so it's what? Uh, Darth Maul's been dead for ten years, but he's back. Uh, if you've seen any of the other material, like the animated stuff, like... You know, Clone Wars, Rebels, you know that, that Maul survived, uh, and he's there doing his thing. Uh, it's interesting that they've decided to use him. Yeah. I think it, it, it's, it makes for a fun story, but we already know the rest of his arc. We know when he dies again, he dies for a second time at the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, that was in the Rebels yeah. series. So I guess my question is like, why? And like also when we when we do get that reveal he lights up his lightsaber why Yeah <laughs> Yeah there was no point to that whatsoever it's like you're a hologram what are you going to do to me with that lightsaber and Exactly <laughs> It was like it was like well wait has anybody turned on a lightsaber yet Uh no okay so Maul go ahead and turn yours on but there's nobody here to cut in half that's okay we just needed to meet the quota so fire up a lightsaber and then just hold it in your hand 
to scare people. <laughs> like it didn't make any sense. I no, did like that didn't. they aged that they 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 showed a little bit of age on Maul. I do like the robot legs. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, and I think he good. could conceivably have an interesting story because what he tried to do, like part of his arc, was try to basically become an underworld figure to accumulate power that way and then play a role in the greater battle between the empire and the rebellion and then be this kind of third faction that was out there and it never really got that way but it could be a cool story to see him as part of that criminal underworld but as you said we already know where his story ends up so then what's the point right right you know, I, yeah, and so I think that that, I don't know, I, I just felt very lukewarm about that reveal. I thought, cool that they could work him back in, but you're setting up this idea that he's the greater villain of that series, but we know he won't be defeated by Han at some point later on down the line. We know he's going to get carved up by Obi-Wan again, you know, right before the events of A New Hope. Yeah. So I just don't know... I don't know the long-term trajectory of that and if that'll be satisfying. It's cool to see him. It's cool to see that they brought him back into the movies, but does it have the long-term resonance where it'll be interesting and fun? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I love the uh, other little callback. I love that we got a little snippet of Duel of the Fates when we saw him, which, as much as I cannot stand the prequels, Darth Maul... And some of the music, Duel of Fates being one of them, are some of my favorite things to come out of those. So it's like, is it just another way to try and make the prequels relevant? <laughs> Remember this? Remember the prequels that you hated? Here, let's let's right. throw that in there. And yeah, I don't know. So I think that was one of the things that that was kind of a little bit off to me. But I also feel like moving forward, they do have. Something that they can set up for future films. Um, you know, there is a little bit of clunkiness in here, but I do think they might have the bones to be able to make another one of these and make it more fun. Um, you know, I wish we had more Tandy Newton. I really like the Rio Durant character that John Favreau voiced, the kind of four arms that I thought were really cool. Um, yeah. I thought that was neat. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel like he got shortchanged as well. So, I don't know. I feel like there are some good things in here, but there's a lot of stuff that kind of left me scratching my head. But I would see Alden Ehrenreich play Han again. I would see that. I didn't dislike him. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he was as charismatic and, and smarmy and everything as... Uh, Harrison Ford is that character, but who could be, you know, as you said before, this is iconic character. How can you meet that without it seeming like a caricature? Right. So I thought he did a good job at, at honoring that and kind of making it his own as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't, I did not dislike his performance as much as I thought I was going to. Right. Right. I, I guess that's like a backhanded compliment or something. I don't know. But um, no, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. But, um, oh, there was something I was just going to ask you and it just slipped from my brain. Um, oh, the fact that you said that it's setting us up for, you know, more Star Wars movies. What are your feelings on that? Is it feeling 
to you that we're being a little oversaturated, maybe? No. Which I never thought I would say that. No. I don't feel no. that way at all. I, I mean, I don't care. I, I'm i not, like, out there managing my dose of Star Wars. You know, we had... <laughs> you know, we had three movies for 20 years, and then we all of a sudden we had six movies, and now all of a sudden we have, what, ten movies now? I'm fine with it. I don't care. I Like... I had a friend of mine saying, well, they just don't feel like event films anymore. They don't feel special. I'm like, special is something that you assign to something. Like, you know, I, come on. I'm not going to sit here and, and, like, apply these kind of archaic standards to everything all the time. Keep making the movies. I'll keep seeing them. I'll like what I like, and I won't like what I won't like. Um, yeah, I, I, so I don't really have that part of it. Now... Whether I would see another Han story, I would totally see that. But I'm more interested. The one thing I wish they would do is to start moving things forward and outward in the Star Wars universe instead of constantly looking back. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And I I still kind of feel the same way that, you know, leading into this one. Did we need this movie? No. I'm glad we have it. I thought it was fun. But I don't feel that I have any deeper understanding or, you know, whatever. You know, I mentioned that there's callbacks, you know, with other lines in the, in the original trilogy and whatever that are kind of cool. But overall, I don't feel still that this movie was needed. It's not needed. It's just, to me, this is enjoyable Star Wars popcorn fluff. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's passable. It's not going to change your life. There's not a lot of epic stuff. Like, like I remember in college taking a religion and film class, and we did a whole breakdown of the original Star Wars trilogy. I don't think they're yeah. going to be doing that with Solo, right? No. I don't think. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's more entertainment than it is like deep rooted storytelling. Yeah, and I, I think still my my uh, Star Wars litmus test is: Did I enjoy it more than the prequels? Yes. Yeah. Then it's okay. <laughs> I agree. I enjoyed yes, it more than the prequels. I definitely enjoyed it more than the prequels, so it is okay in my book. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. But who knows? Maybe we'll talk more about Solo a little bit uh, a little bit later on. Maybe maybe we'll discover more about it if we see it again. Oh, one more thing before we go. What did you? Uh, what were your impressions when you found out how he got his name? I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. And then I moved I... on with my life. <laughs> I really did not like it. As a matter of fact, I made an audible sound when <laughs> when they when the the imperial guy is standing there and he's like, "Oh, you're alone." Solo. And I <laughs> I made like a big like raspberry sound, like really loud. Of, <laughs> if he would have been traveling I, with I another person, it. would they have called him Han Duo? Possibly. Or if there's a duet. third person Han trio. Yes, it's it's very possible. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a bit strange. But, you yeah, know, I didn't care for that. again, that was something that I did not need to know. Uh, all I was looking for was a decent Han and Chewie story, and I got it. I liked Chewie. I think uh, I think the guy who plays Chewie is, uh, seems like a very nice person and really seems to be into playing Chewie. So I'm happy for him that he's getting to do this. So I think if you ever wanted to see, you know, the legend of the kind of Wookiees 
you know, the mighty Chewbacca, I think you got to see that in this movie. And I, I, I would see that again. I would totally see the continuing adventures of Han and Chewie. The rest of the stuff on the periphery, I'm not that interested in. But again, yeah. I went in with low expectations and those expectations were met. Agreed. All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Solo, A Star Wars Story, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdflixChill. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. You can find our episodes on lrmonline.com as well. And until next time, everybody, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs> <laughs>